0: To the Paul Maguire Report. This is Paul Maguire. As we have been continuing to examine from a, let's just call it a global perspective, with a special emphasis on the United States of America, because the United States of America, whether you like it or not, is unique and different among the nations in the history of mankind, just as the nation of Israel was unique and different from all the nations in the history of mankind. Why? Why? You don't hear about that in the public indoctrination school systems. They don't want the kids, they don't want the adults to know the truth about America. And the truth about America is that America is not just like any other nation. Now, that's not just some flamboyant, uh, Americanistic type of idealism. It's a fact. And now, this is the fact that's the foundation of the two truths. The facts are this number one, the nation of Israel was totally unique among all the nations in the history of mankind, as long as it obeyed the law of God or the Word of God, and as long as it worshiped not idols, but it worshiped uh, the true God, the biblical God, if they met those conditions, if outlined in Deuteronomy 28, the first two verses, where it warns that if you want to be the recipient uh, of all these incredible, and most of the blessings are economic. You can't sidestep that. If you want to be the recipient of all these blessings, then you're going to have to, at minimum, uh, first fulfill the two conditions, which are written about in Deuteronomy 28 verses one to two. One is you can only worship the true biblical God. You can't worship the pagan gods. You can't worship idols and the false gods. So your worship has to be directed totally towards the true God, the biblical God. Then number two is you have to diligently, not half-heartedly, not on cruise control, not on like maybe I feel like it, maybe I don't. You have to diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, which means you have to diligently obey the principles and the commandments and the biblical worldview outlined and written about in God's holy word, the Bible, which eventually uh, will include Genesis to the book of Revelation. So if you meet those two conditions, uh, Israel was promised this long, I mean, it's a mind-blowing list in Deuteronomy 28, beginning at verse 1. It's a list of economic blessings, agricultural blessings, military blessings, blessings against fighting off disease, it is not a super-spiritual list of blessings. It is a practical list of blessings, and it is a list of blessings that have to do with physical, real-world reality uh, and economics. You know, people get all hung up about the economic part, but you can't gut, you can't strip the promises of the blessings in Deuteronomy 28. You, you have no right to sub- subtract probably the main One of the main themes of those blessings is economic blessing. So the other thing it says, if you obey and hearken, if you only worship the biblical God, and if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, those two conditions, then God says to his people, Israel, then he will raise Israel up above all the nations of the earth. Now that is mind-blowing. And when you read the story of the history of Israel, you see that when the nation of Israel and the Jews and the leaders that God raised up, you see that whenever they were worshiping the true biblical God and hearkening diligently—that's the operative word—diligently, aggressively, they were on it. They were on the job of obeying God's word. Whenever they met those conditions— God said that he would raise them up above all the nations of the the earth. So not only do you have this release of tangible, physical, economic blessings, but you also have the promise of God that he would raise Israel up way above all the other nations on planet earth. And that's what happened. When you look at the story of Israel and the history of Israel, and perhaps one of the most accurate historical documents, on Israel is the Word of God itself, because the Word of God is not just some book. The Word of God was transcribed faithfully and meticulously by the ancient Jewish scribes who there was a whole team of scribes, so maybe you were responsible to transcribe, which means to hand write uh, in some form of ink, on some form of paper or papyrus. you had to hand write uh, down. Um, what the Word of God said, word for word, translate it properly, spell it properly, et cetera, et cetera. And you had to be 100% accurate. And then there was a team of trained Jewish scribes. Plus, you had to be trained like crazy in order to do this. The trained Jewish scribes would follow up on your work. So there were multiple checks and balances to ensure and to make sure that the transcription, the copies made that were handwritten, were meticulously reviewed and reviewed and reviewed to make sure that they were without error. Now, no other book in human history. You can go back in time, and since the beginning of writing, and since the beginning of whatever they used for a printed page, a stone or whatever, when you go back to the history of language, the history of writing, the history of manuscripts and books, if you go back to ancient Plato, uh, the Greek philosopher Plato, who asserted that uh, Atlantis actually existed and proposed the ideal society on the basis of the records he discovered, the historical evidence he discovered, that he was convinced proved the existence of a super civilization known as ancient Atlantis. And then you have Aristotle, another philosopher, and he had a, a somewhat different philosophy. His, his philosophy Aristotle's philosophy was more Machiavellian. It was like ruthless. Power makes right. He or she who had the power uh, had, had everything. They could control and dominate the culture, dominate philosophy. So Aristotle was Machiavellian. In other words, he was ruthless in, in, in military practicality. You seized power by any means necessary You maintain power by any means necessary. He was what you would call utilitarian. Utilitarian is simply a fancy word that means utility, which means if it works, then it's right and it's okay. In other words, it's not important how beautiful something is or how spiritual something is or how deep something is, according to Aristotle and those that would propose utilitarianism. The only thing that matters is does it work? Is it workable? And can you force its implementation into your life, and can you force its implementation into any given society by raw brute force and military force? If you can, according to Aristotle, then might makes right. Now, he believed in might makes right long before uh, the the so-called father of evolution, Charles Darwin, came up with the mythology or fairy tale of of, uh, evolution. So Aristotle had his particular point of view, but in distinct contrast to Aristotle, you had the philosopher uh, Plato, and Plato, to Plato, the highest virtue, the the thing that every society should be built upon, the ultimate goal according to Plato, was the philosophical concept of justice. According to Plato, uh, the what justified any action taken on by any civilization super civilization or regular civilization or whatever the sum total of you know like ancient greece or ancient rome or or atlantis if it existed its its worthiness to exist the basis of its existence the basis of its power the, the center of its force was always built upon the philosophy that justice and doing what is right, in the deepest sense of the word, justice, must prevail. And it is when a society operates according to the dictates of justice, that alone, according to Plato, gives it the right to exist, to prosper, and to thrive. Now, that's a very noble concept, but he was not a Christian and he didn't believe in the old testament and the new testament but purely on the basis of man's logic and reason and things of that nature he developed the philosophy that a nation state or a global state had to be built on justice now what the irony of all this is before we before we dive deeper here the irony of all this is that um the the legendary super civilization atlantis which many very brilliant men geniuses philosophers scientists kings and others throughout history are are absolutely convinced that a super civilization known as Atlantis actually existed and plato was one of them it's also interesting to note that the globalist elite of our time the world's richest and most powerful people Of our time, the people at the very top of the pyramid, generally speaking, and with some distortions, they very much are attempting, in their weird way, they're attempting to emulate uh, Plato's philosophy, the concepts of a new world order, the concepts of uh, a global government, the concepts of creating America. As a new Atlantis, which was proposed by um, uh, the great scientist and the cultist, um, who I'm having a, a mental, uh, an open window in my brain, and I've got to shut it so I can remember his name for crying out loud. It'll come to me in a minute. He was a partner with Sir John D. Oh, Sir Francis Bacon, excuse me. Sir Francis Bacon, Sir John D. were were... Brilliant secular scientists. And as you know from my books, um, Sir Francis Bacon was known as, he was praised as the uh, father of the scientific method. Sir Francis Bacon was praised as the father of the scientific method and the need to gather empirical scientific evidence based on actual physical, tangible scientific. Mathematical, real physical world proof, uh, and that was the scientific method. The scientific method in, in the scientific method, when it's followed the, the way it's supposed to be by Sir Francis Bacon, you have a thesis which, which is a theory or a, an educated opinion that such and such a thing happened in history, like the theory of evolution would be an hypothesis, and the thesis is that uh, given 200 million plus years. Mankind evolved randomly from nothing through random chance, and uh, evolved from non from let's say a non-human pebble to a little amoeba and protoplasm, and then through random chance, man- mankind evolved over a period of two hundred to three hundred million years into a highly evolved being known as the Homo Sapien or mankind. Now. That is, that's the theory of evolution. But if you're going to be true to the theory of evolution, then you're going to have to, if you're going to be consistent and rational versus schizophrenic and irrational, you, to, to be consistent and rational, then it's incumbent upon you to come up with the scientific evidence in the form of mathematical equations, the discovery of specific substances, the discovery of specific Genetic DNA material that proves the theory that man evolved over 200 million years from a non-living, random chance entity into a human being. Um, That's a big leap of logic. So, I wonder if Sir Francis Bacon, if he was alive today, would he would he not be a challenger or an adversary to the theory of evolution? Because the theory of evolution, despite what they say and all their pomposity in the educational system, in the media, and the scientific community, there's a great chest-thumping as if they were Tarzan and Jane, that evolution is scientifically true. But conspicuous by its absence, they have no scientific proof whatsoever, no empirical evidence whatsoever, no fossil records, no archaeological evidence whatsoever, no genetic evidence whatsoever, that... Man randomly evolved through random chance over 200 million years and evolved from a a protoplasm or an amoeba, and then over the millions of years gradually evolved into a completely unique and different species called mankind or the human race. The bottom line is, despite the bravado and the chest-thumping and the propaganda and the mafia-like tactics of the uh, scientific industry, the biological industry, that, that tries to force people to believe evolution as if it was scientifically a fact. The fact of the matter is, no pun intended, is that there are no facts. There is no scientific evidence whatsoever that conclusively proves that evolution is true. Evolution is a totally bankrupt theory, and it's only in place because of monetary, economic, and social force. And most of all, most of all, this is where you need to... Grab hold of the epiphany. This is where you need to seize the time. This is where Christians need to quit playing nice. You know, playing nice is an abomination to God. Never forget it. When you play nice, the world goes to hell and lies and deception prevail. God never, ever called his people to be nice. He called them to operate in love, but our highest goal is not to be nice. Our highest goal, and never forget it, is to tell the truth, to speak the truth in love. That is our end game. So, there is no scientific proof whatsoever that proves the theory of evolution. That's why it's called the theory of evolution. And there's no scientific evidence. So, for example, I've said this many times, but it needs to be said again. They have accumulated, science has accumulated over centuries, over 80 million fossil records. And among those 80 million fossil records, they have not found any evidence whatsoever any genetic material in the form of a footprint or a skeleton or a partially frozen body discovered in a frozen cave or whatever there is no there are no relics or remnants of any biological material whatsoever left over from the past or discovered because it was frozen in a cave or whatever there is not one shred of scientific evidence that reveals and proves that the DNA of mankind, that the genetic code of mankind over millions of years, evolved into a separate higher order species known as the human race. And then that's it. You, you know, if you know your stuff, you don't argue the point. You only argue the point because you're insecure because you didn't do your homework. This insecurity produces fear. Fear produces a retreat mentality. God did not call his people to collectively retreat and be scared. There's nothing to be scared of. We have the scientific proof on our side. The problem is that there's a disconnect between those that call themselves Christians, the evangelical or biblical establishment, that is afraid to insert itself. They kind of remind me, and I'm not trying to be unkind, they remind me of the armies of Israel when King Saul was there, and the armies of Israel were petrified, including uh, including uh, David's brothers who were terrified, because the Syrian army was, was on one side of the battlefield, and they were ready to invade the, the armies of Israel and slaughter them. But standing between the armies of Israel and the Syrian armies was a rephium giant named Goliath. And Goliath was strutting back and forth, mocking the armies of Israel. Now, the game changer was when uh, a young man named David, uh, who would, his brothers were in the battle, and David was a keeper, he was a shepherd. And David heard Goliath the giant mocking the armies of Israel and insulting them and disparaging them and David couldn't take it. So Saul, King Saul, offered David his finest armor, which theoretically should have given David a, a strategic military advantage in any conflict with Goliath the giant. But, but David refused the armor of Saul because it was armor of the flesh. It was the armor of human pride and human intellect and human strength. David's secret to power when he engaged and and took on Goliath. David's secret to power was this, and this is the secret to power that the church must discover in our lifetime in order for us to be victorious on the various battlefields that God has placed us in. We must possess and acquire the secret to power just like David did. And so David's secret to power was that he recognized that his power, his wisdom, his strength, and yes, David recognized that his actual ability to win and to defeat the giant Goliath all relied on his willingness to put his faith, David's faith, in the hands of the living God, and to trust God, and to have faith in God, that God would fill him with authentic supernatural power, the authentic supernatural power of God, Or, whatever the theological precise definition would have been for a description of the power of the Holy Spirit operating in the Old Testament. Today, we would call it power from on high. In any case, David understood that it's not by might nor by strength, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So, David's secret was to lay hold and acquire by faith the supernatural power of God. And he did that. And so, In a state of fearlessness, David marched to the center of the battlefield with the armies of Israel behind him, and in front of him was the giant Goliath and all the armies of Syria. And they were drooling and and, and desiring to massacre the armies of Israel and to massacre King David. So King David was fearless, though, because he had acquired by faith, he believed God at his word and he acquired by faith power from on high. And so out of his inner man, David looked squarely in the eyes of Goliath and thundered out of his diaphragm. He thundered to Goliath, and you could hear the echo of David's word, David's words all among the armies of Syria and the armies of Israel. And David looked Goliath in the eye and thundered these words, How dare you defy the armies of the living God? Now, when he spoke that, that cracked something, some kind of stronghold in the invisible realm. And the next thing you knew, uh, David was swirling his slingshot with one smooth stone. And as he swirled his slingshot, he let it loose or he let it rip. And one smooth stone, traveling at high velocity, because it had acquired the momentum from being twirled around by David, the smooth stone picked up a velocity, and because of David's previous practice defending the sheep against the wolves uh, with his father's flock, David landed the smooth stone squarely in the forehead of Goliath, and Goliath, the the mighty giant, collapsed to the ground, and with a reverberating thud as his massive body hit the ground, uh, Goliath was instantly killed. He died. And there was a a, a hush, a conspicuous, terrifying silence that came upon the armies of Israel and the armies of Syria, because both armies recognized that human history at that moment, what they saw, which was the dropping of Goliath by David, what they saw with their eyes had redefined and reconfigured human history. And although they weren't capable of processing that completely intellectually, they were aware of it. So there was this awesome and, yes, terrifying silence that came upon both armies. Think about it. Both armies were stagnant in a terrifying silence. And in that terrifying silence, the man that God anointed with his spirit, David, marched to the center of the battlefield. He kneeled down and he pulled Goliath's sword out of his giant sword out of his hand. He took Goliath's head by Goliath's hair, the hair of his head. He yanked it, and with his muscular arm, David, with a swift motion using uh, Goliath's sword, he beheaded Goliath. And then, with the blood of Goliath's head dripping to the ground, David held up as high as he could by its hair the giant Goliath's head. And he showed it to the armies of Israel, who who cheered in victory. And then he turned and he showed Goliath's bloody head to the armies of Syria, who, who knew this spelled their demise. And as they collectively shrieked in terror, the armies of Syria ran for their lives, because David, operating in faith, changed the direction of human history forever. One man Synced up with God, being obedient with God, relying on the supernatural power of God rather than relying on his own human strength and intellect, David, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, reconfigured history, changed the direction of history. The moment he landed the smooth stone into the forehead of Goliath, and when he chopped the head off of Goliath and showed it to the Syrian army, the mighty Syrian army retreated. Now this, in terms of historical impact, allowed the nation of Israel to exercise military and spiritual dominion over this pagan nation, the Syrians. And so, because of David's obedience and faith in God, anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Syrians fled for their lives, and this released God to open up the land for Israel to occupy. Israel uh, was able to occupy the land previously occupied by the Syrians, and thus the expansion uh, of the territory that God had given the nation of Israel was was now moving forward in full effect. This was a game changer in human history. Now the question we have to ask ourselves is: when we examine the warfare of our time, we we must recognize that. There exists a Syrian army in our time, and I'm not talking about Syria-Syria, I'm talking about the spiritual understanding of the existence of the Syrian army in our time, and there exists the existence of giants like Goliath in our time that are attempting to terrify the armies of Israel, or it could be said there are giants in our time that in the natural are terrifying the the armies of God, the supernatural body of Christ. And so we are in a similar situation. It's almost as as if time is frozen, and things that should be released are not being released, and things that should be bound are not being bound. And there's an awkwardness in the time that we live in, because there's an inner knowing that is gnawing at the hearts of God's people. Millions and millions of God's people in the United States of America and millions and millions of God's people throughout the world are living in an existential moment faced with an existential crisis of existence as the giants of our time rise up and loom in animosity against the supernatural body of Christ. These giants are the globalist elite, the great reset, the mass of uh, organizational structures, the massive financial structures, the massive arrays of high technology all built and created to enforce the illegal occupation by pagan, the worshipers of pagan gods, the luciferians and the spirit of antichrist. And they're all poised and 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 circling the wagons of God's people and there should be. What should be happening, biblically, is that the Spirit of God should be, be being poured out, and there should be a rising of God's people, a rising of God's armies, and a subsequent outpouring of the Spirit of God upon God's men and women at this exact time and juncture of history. That is what should be happening. But instead of that happening, there, there, are, there are attempts at bringing that into fruition, but it's not fully blossoming blossoming. There's like something holding it back. There's a restraint of some kind. And you know what I'm talking about. It's very difficult for me to articulate something that exists at the very highest level in another dimension. It's very hard for me to articulate the existence and the reality of an armed opposition, mobilized by the spirit of Antichrist, which has not only recruited human beings, but it has recruited uh, demonic uh, principalities and powers and strongholds and things of that nature, and they have put it down on paper what their agenda is. their agenda is to conquer America and fulfill by force the luciferian agenda for america the the agenda for America proposed by Sir Francis Bacon, which was to to recreate America like a like a great reset, recreate America as a uh, as a head of the as the New Atlantis, as the head of the New World Order, now known as the Great Reset, as the, the revival of a pagan empire, as a fulfillment of the occult vision of the Luciferian elite and the occult vision uh, of those that oppose Christ and those that want to see the uh, transhumanist agenda, the Luciferian agenda, the one-world government, the one-world religion, the one-world economic system, and the cashless society of total control and total surveillance, and the subsequent futuristic technology that will go along with it. So where we are in real space-time and history is this. This is where we are, and we need to understand this and not play dumb. The proper understanding of where we are in history is this. All of those elements I briefly described for you. Among all of those elements, though, there's an additional element, and and, and that is the element of a malaise, a a vapor-like spiritual stagnation, which is almost like a mist, and it's paralyzing the people of God. It's paralyzing ministries and churches, this malaise, this, this mystical fog and the origination point of this malaise or mystical fog is not human it's not earthly the origination point of this negative energy force which is paralyzing the people of god the origination point of this force is demonic it it, it has entered the earth it has entered america through the through the scientific technological sorcery psychic power and numerous occult rituals, including blood sacrifices and human sacrifices, undertaken by a Luciferian elite in America and around the world. Those rituals are not just head games or mind games. Those rituals are the actual mechanics. They are the actual nuts and bolts that release the spirit of Antichrist into America and are attempting from a demonic sense they're attempting to choke the life out of the church that is destined by God to go into full blown revival the church which is destined by God in a biblical sense to to be the receivers and transmitters of an authentic biblical revival and an authentic biblical third great awakening that is the plan of God for America the pilgrims and puritans mapped it out Jesus told his disciples about that plan when he was alive. That's why the disciples were told to go to Jerusalem and to wait in prayer, to tarry in Jerusalem until the Father clothed them with the power of the Holy Spirit, or until the Father clothed them with power from on high. When that anointing comes upon individual Christians, when that anointing comes upon the supernatural body of Christ, when that anointing comes upon the men and women that God has chosen, To be here for such a time as this, before the beginning of time, when that anointing comes upon God's people, when there's a quickening and revelation as to the meaning, the proper meaning and interpretation of the Word of God regarding this time period, also known as the last days, and when we begin to see the physical evidence from the Word of God of what Jesus Christ talked about when he warned about the signs of the times, which that countdown begins. In the year 1948, with the rebirth of the modern state of Israel. Now that tells you that, that there's a time factor here, and what it also tells you is that this malaise that we're experiencing, it's like everybody is moving in slow motion, but God is saying to his people, those that will listen, it is not my will for my people to move in an awkward, frozen silence. It is not my will for my people to move in slow motion at this particular time period. That's what the Lord is saying to his church for those that can hear. In addition, the Lord is saying to his church that it is time for his people to repent of disobeying him, to repent of their unbelief. And it is the will of God for God's people to cry out to God in repentance and intercessory prayer and ask God. To supernaturally intervene in the great spiritual battle of our time involving America, Europe, and the rest of the world, and the Great Reset. It is the will of God that God's people uh, break the ice, so to speak, and, and engage in intercessory prayer warfare. Now, you and I are living in that exact moment. Make no mistake about the proper calibration of the passage of time and where we are regarding the passage of time. It is supposed to be understood with mathematical precision. So the the obvious is that there there exists, in our real physical world, there exists a, a action, a prevailing action, which is in conflict with the will of God. The prevailing action, which is in conflict with the will of God, is the existence of this fog, the existence of this malaise in which everyone's walking around in slow motion. And the people of God, instead of being on fire, instead of having single-mindedness, are kind of stumbling around in zombie land. Make no mistake about it, the behavior of God's people at this moment in time is not acceptable to the living God. He is not pleased by the behavior of his people, because he created his people, both the Jews and the supernatural body of Christ. He created his people for a specific mission, a specific assignment, which he expects to be fulfilled in the last days. That is where we are. We are not supposed to be the body of Christ, all true Christians. Please hear me, because this must be said with the greatest emphasis possible. So please hear what I'm saying. I've devoted my life to studying, praying, and seeking the face of God regarding this. I have written about this in all 46 books that I've written, including the last three, Power From On High, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, Conquering the Matrix, uh, The Day the Dollar Died, and The Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2. What God is saying to his people is very clear. We are under unless you have succumbed to the great apostasy the great delusion of the last days unless you're, you 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 have become deluded uh, unless you have succumbed to delusion unless you have become spiritually blind all of those are the consequences of willful sin and if you are in any of those categories you will discover that you have lost your god given ability to see the the signs of the times, and to understand the signs of the times. And again, it is not the will of God at all, under any circumstances, it is not the will of God that the supernatural body of Christ, here on earth, at this exact moment in time, it is not the will of God that we are walking around frozen in time, stuck in a state of lethargy, paralyzed by hostile spiritual forces. It is not the will of God whatsoever that this is the temporary case that we're in. What is the will of God? What the Bible does say regarding the signs of the times, what the Bible does say regarding the specific time period that we're in, is the following. And I I implore you as your brother in Christ to track with me extremely carefully as we itemize or bullet point a few vital and key points that I believe, and I believe you will agree with me, that I believe are are burning hot on the throne room of God. So let's briefly review them. Number one, we're in the last of the last days. The battle that we're facing is on a level that the human race has never engaged in before in all of human history. Never before in human history has the level and animosity of attack been Coming against the people of God and mankind in general with such enormous force. Technologies, sciences, biological research, genetics, DNA, space flights, satellites, interplanetary travel, and, and many, many inventions, sciences, technologies, all which have their ancient historical roots that go back to the ancient super-civilizations like the Pharaoh-God-King system in Egypt, like what I wrote about in in A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, and what I wrote about in Power from on High and The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, and the other books, all of which are available to you at a discount, a big discount, right now at PaulMcGuire.us. So, we are in a moment of time where scientific technological breakthroughs on a futuristic level are being invented, are being used, and are being developed with increasing frequency every year that goes by. And so what God expects of his people at this moment is a recognition that, yes, indeed, we are in the last of the last days, that, yes, indeed, Uh, The book of Revelation is to be taken literally, and all the events in the book of Revelation are going to come true sequentially, just as they are written in the book of Revelation. And that what what God has been warning his people, what God has been warning mankind about, what God has been warning the human race about for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years is finally materializing before our very faces and that is when God warns in the book of Genesis about the rise of a super civilization known as Mystery Babylon, and Mystery Babylon is at first a, an occultic spiritual system, but Mystery Babylon is also the, the beginning of the world's first one-world government, one-world religion, and one-world economic system. And the secret mystery behind Mystery Babylon is that they are secretly worshiping Lucifer, and they are acquiring their scientific knowledge and their technological know-how from Lucifer and the fallen angels. That is the deep secret of Mystery Babylon. Everything that's playing out today in our society is not only was predicted in the account of ancient Babylon, it was predicted in uh, the book of Revelation as it talks about Mystery Babylon and the beast system but it's also talked about in what Revelation describes as the birth of the mystery Babylon new world order that consists of a one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system. And the central emphasis is the merger of these systems. The merger of these systems is now codified in what is called by the world's Luciferian or globalist elite, it's codified as the Great Reset. The Great Reset is simply a rebranding and a renaming of Mystery Babylon. The Great Reset is the birth of a new world order with a one world economic system, one world religion, and one world government. And their end game is to, and this could happen literally this year, in months, three years from now, five years from now. What I am describing to you, and what I talk about in detail in the books that I have mentioned, what I have described to you is the rise of this mystery Babylon, Luciferian government, where the principal technological and spiritual feature is the creation of a biochip implant or a microchip implant or a nanochip implant or a DNA chip implant, or a neural implant of some kind, some kind of technological wireless technological microscopic device, which is implanted in your head, your forehead, or your uh, right hand. And what that will be is a microscopic chip implant. And you will not be able to buy or sell in the government of Antichrist in the Great Reset, you will not be able to buy or sell unless you have received this microscopic DNA chip implant which is wire it's wireless technology in which the human body is transformed by the injection or the embedding of a wireless nano chip self replicating self growing technology and when that happens and it, can, it can, you can be embedded with it in countless different ways including receiving uh, a shot in terms of uh, a vax or whatever Because when that enters your bloodstream, it feeds off the genetic biological material in your body. It feeds off your blood. So, what you have inside of you is some kind of combination between a a parasite organism or a technological parasite uh, organism. In either case, the parasitical nature of what has been embedded is living off of you, the host body, and living off your blood. Now, in addition to that, the genetic coding of this technological wireless technology turns your body, brain, and and psychological being into both a wireless transmitter and a wireless receiver. Once you get that, there will come a time after you get the technology where the, te- the technology from the beginning has been designed to, to operate and come to life in various phases or steps of the technology. So initially, it's kind of like, no pun intended, initially it's kind of like a sleeper cell. It is somewhat dormant and somewhat benign. But as the calendar goes by, in conjunction with your particular unique DNA code and your particular genetics, the multiple phases of potential programming and operation begin to be activated in your bloodstream and in your, in your biological body. And when they're activated, it activates the broadcasting system and the receiving system. Now, how does it get activated? I believe that at some point, the way it will become activated the way the switch on this technology gets turned on. I believe that at some time in the future, most likely after a major crisis or major chaos, remember the central occult operating principle of the Luciferian elite. Everything they do is based on ancient occult principles, ancient occult sorcery, psychic power, uh, ancient occult manipulation of DNA, uh, ancient occult numerology, ancient occult astrology. Ancient occult human sacrifice or animal sacrifice. Now, this, what I'm telling you now, uh, uh, travels synergistically with what the Bible says. At some point in time, the human race and all people alive on planet Earth are going to be made an offer they can't refuse. The offer will simply be this that they're going to invite you to be plugged into what they call the hive mind or the world brain. And they're going to offer to turn it on. And it's going to be a very seductive offer because the offer is going to consist of them saying to you if you want to buy and sell in this global economic system, if you want to have that technology inside you turned on, then you must participate publicly in this ritual. And the ritual, as it's talked about in the book of Revelation, is the following. You must publicly renounce that Jesus Christ is Lord, and then you must publicly announce that you are pledging to worship the Antichrist as God. So it's a two-fold spiritual ceremony in which the full secret hidden nature of uh, the Antichrist system will be made real to you. The first part of the ceremony is you pledge of oh, you, you renounce. You renounce Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You renounce Jesus Christ as God. You renounce Jesus Christ, period. That's phase one. Phase two of the worship ceremony is you pledge publicly to worship the Antichrist as God. So you you pledge to stop worshiping Jesus Christ as God, and then you pledge to worship the Antichrist as God. When you do these two things, that, in effect, turns on the on switch that has been embedded inside of you, and it has been embedded inside you, and it has partially uh, reconfigured your DNA or genetic code. Now, once you reject Christ and pledge to worship the Antichrist, then the switch is turned on in your inner man or woman, you will be an an electronic receiver. So so whether it's 5G or 6G or 10G or whatever high-powered electromagnetic frequency generator they're using is your body and brain and being will function just like a giant radio tower, and you will be a receiver of this high-powered EMF frequency. You will be receiving all the data. Your mood will be manipulated. Your consciousness will be changed. Your identity will be changed. You will be plugged in to the hive mind or the world brain. And then, using the same 5G to 10G technology, whatever they decide to use, and depending upon the specific numerical frequency they decide to use, you will then activate uh, the the ability to transmit and receive, and you will be plugged in on a wireless basis. You will be plugged into the hive mind or the world brain. That's why they're putting up 40,000 Starlink satellites. You'll be plugged into the hive mind or the world brain. And you will then, and only then, because you're going to be a receiver and a transmitter, you will then, and only then, you'll be able to, it will be lawful for you to buy and sell, participate in the global economic system, you'll be able to buy and sell. But in addition to that, just like the Chinese social credit card system, which at this moment is basically an external to the body and brain system, it consists of millions and millions of cameras being aimed at you and recording your activities all over China. They have a computerized record in Communist China of your specific electromagnetic frequency number, whatever it is, so they can track you. They can track you by your specific EMF signal number, and they can track you, and they can record everything about you in terms of metadata. They have the capacity incrementally, first to generally read your mind, and then as the system evolves, it will mean they will specifically be able to read your mind. Right now, basically, they'll be able to tell if you're in a good mood, a bad mood, angry, happy, rebellious, if you hate the Communist Party or you love the Communist Party. It's a general intrusion or a generalized rape of your mind. But as the technology evolves, they will be able to record with crystal clear visual technology auditory technology, psychological readings of your mood and your health. They will be able to see with perfect picture clarity, visuals of your dreams, your ideas, your imaginations, and they will be able to hear like when you're talking to yourself or your thoughts, they will be able to record and monitor and hear all the auditory sounds and discussions and verbalizations that go on secretly and privately inside your inner man or woman. In other words, you are going to be monitored, monitored 24-7, and this will be attached to massive metadata computers that record whether or not you are in adherence to or in obedience to the, the, uh, the agenda, what Big, Big Brother wants you to believe. So if you're a happy member of the Communist Party praising the Communist system, you're going to be fine. But if you are being critical of the Communist system, if you disagree with the Communist system, if you have an attitude of resentment, anger, or hatred towards the communist system, they will be able to monitor the content of that electronically, and they will be able to read specifically your brain waves and the specific electromagnetic frequencies of your brain brain waves. Thus, you will be a total prisoner. And so you won't have to be sent to a supermax somewhere. Your daily life on a daily basis will be the daily equivalent of living in an electromagnetic frequency, Supermax. Because everything you say, everything you do, everything you see, everything you visualize, everything you fantasize, everything about your life is going to be recorded. They will be able to watch, record, and analyze all the visuals, all the movies in your head, all the pictures in your head, all the auditory conversations, When you talk to yourself, when you say, Oh, that person's a jerk, all of that stuff, you're gonna be electronically an open book. So what they have now, this technology is available now. Get out of get out of zombie land, get out of your denial trance state, wake up, smell the coffee, understand fully that this technology is operational now at, at a certain entry level and probably higher than that. But if you analyze the rate of acceleration and development of this technology, if you analyze how fast and furious this technology is evolving, in other words, the pictures are getting clearer and clearer and clearer that they can see day by day. In other words, your verbiage and words and conversations with yourself are becoming more and more clear day after day after day. They can track you wherever you're going. They know what you think. There's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. And not only that, they can electronically monitor your moods. Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Are you rebellious? Are you uh, sexually aroused? Are you uh, uh, annoyed? The whole myriad spectrum of human emotions that generate specific electromagnetic frequencies will be recorded and analyzed. And then, in a real-time basis, I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say next, because this is imperative that you grasp the implications. Then what happens next is that just like they can monitor just like they are monitoring the communist Chinese citizens 24/ seven and have a you know ongoing recording of your your mental state, what you think, etc, et etc, cetera, et cetera. and then you're hooked up to a computer which will reward you financially, which will reward you with promotions, reward you with all kinds of uh, of rewards. Or electronically will punish you. You won't be able to get any jobs. You'll be sent to a prison camp, and you're constantly being electronically monitored and electronically punished. This is what is currently operational in communist China. They call it the social credit card system. So if you're walking down the street in communist China and you litter, you lose points. That can easily be translated into you, your points are negative, so now you can't qualify for the better interest rate on a, on a, a home loan or whatever. Do you see how punitive, how all-enforcing and all-powerful this system is? No wonder the Bible calls it the beast system. Now, you need to wake up and understand that this is not some paranoid depiction of the future. This, if you have intelligence, if you have knowledge— if you have done your homework, if you've done research, if you'd studied, if you analyzed and documented the things that are going on, you would know that none of what I've just said to you is a dark fantasy or a paranoid, you know, a paranoid dream. Everything that I've said to you is a reality, and it is increasing with amplitude every day that we talk. This was written about and talked about openly. I wrote about it openly in my books. 35 years ago, for crying out loud. I got important stuff. You've got to hear it. Uh, Stay with me. This is the Paul McGuire Report. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. You are listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. It is important that you understand this because knowledge is power. My purpose in educating you and communicating this information to you is to equip you so that you have the knowledge and the power to be an overcomer to be victorious to make intelligent and strategic moves so that your freedom can be extended your freedom can be preserved as well as the freedom of your children your grandchildren and and those in this nation your freedom their freedoms can be extended can be preserved can be protected this is not like you know, the purpose of this is not to paralyze you with, with, over, with an overwhelming sense of hopelessness. That is not what I'm communicating. What I'm saying is you've got to understand what's happening. You can't live in a state of cognitive dissonance cut off from reality. You can't live in a state of uh, denial. You need to know what's going on, and you need to recognize that the time period of history that we live in right now at this moment is a very unique time period. I believe with all my heart that in the time period that you and I live in we have been given a divine opportunity God's opportunity to make strategic changes to make strategic transformation by relying on the wisdom and the power of God and if we're obedient to God to his direction and if we allow God to speak to us and we properly understand the the, the nature of the specific time period we're in then we will have a sense of rejoicing and a sense of impending victory because we'll know that God had, in His wisdom, had a plan for us that involved the specific time frame we're in and the specific challenges of the time frame we're in. And 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 the majority of Christians are walking around in a daze, and they are going to bring you down and their kids down and your kids down and our nation down, and. You know, you have to relate to them, you, you have to be polite, I, but I would not open up your, the treasures of your heart, the things that you have labored to learn and acquire. I would guard your heart and your mouth from sharing it with people who will despise you for gaining wisdom, who will despise you because you bothered to get the answers. No, no. God doesn't—that's what a fool does. You need to protect yourself from the apostasy, from the spiritual rebellion that they have deliberately, and with an act of their will, acquired and pursued. That may not sound kind, but I want you to survive. Okay, let's... This is my book, um, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1. There's also A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 2. This book was published in 2013. And I want to read you some of the things that I talked about, because what I talked about predicted what's happening now, and what's going to happen in the future. And you need to get these books in order. Don't get just one book. Get yourself a set of my books and build upon upon the truth line upon line, precept upon precept. Build and grow your understanding. And then you'll be a person of power, a person who can overcome, and a person who is victorious. And that's what God wants for you, by the way. Okay, so in my book A Prophecy of the Future of America. Um, I I wrote about all kinds of things that came true. And I want to read you something in A Prophecy of the Future of America that I think you will find extremely important. So pay attention, please. And uh, I think this will help. So, in my book, uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume One, and again, you should get these books. set of books. They're at a huge discount right now at PaulMcGuire.us. So let me just read you something from A Prophecy of the Future of America. Um, The Illuminati motto is order out of chaos, and Marxist strategy calls for a crisis that would cause the masses to embrace some kind of one-world communist government. This ever-present narrative being played out by the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, Zbigniew Brzezinski, and George Soros, among others, uh, it is also the narrative being played out by occult futurists like Barbara Marx Hubbard, who, along with other New Age religious leaders, are trying to unite the consciousness of the world through mass media technology and a conscious evolution of our world. But Hubbard reveals the true nature of her spiritual agenda when she talks about the, quote, Occupy Wall Street movement, shifting consciousness. As I have written, she says, in my previous articles, it is my belief that Occupy Wall Street movement is funded and organized by George Soros. No, no, this is me. George Soros and numerous Marxist groups. Occupy Wall Street is plugged into the matrix of international bankers, Illuminati and the Illuminati and Zbigniew Brzezinski. In Brzezinski's book Between Two Ages, America's Role in the Technotronic Era, he writes The technotronic era involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. Such a society would be dominated by an elite, unrestrained by traditional values. Soon it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen and maintain up-to-date complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizen. These files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. Then I write The new NSA database that is being built in Utah is a tangible and physical expression of Brzezinski's and the elites' ideas about total control of the human race. So um, he continues on. And the thing, that, and by the way, he wrote this book. I believe he wrote the book in 1976. So you've got to understand that these globalist elites knew about what was happen- what is happening now. They knew about it decades ago. And you look at, you go back, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, uh, people like George Orwell, 1984, knew about it. Uh, Brave New World author Aldous Huxley knew about it. Transhumanist founder uh, um, Julian Huxley, the brother of uh, 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 the other Huxley, knew about it. And so Brzezinski, who's the the right-hand man to Rockefeller. He's the co-founder of the Trilateral Commission, one of the most powerful globalist agencies in the world. And he talks about the technotronic era. And, and I'm just going to analyze this with you. The technotronic era involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. What he's saying there, it's right in your face. He's saying the technotronic era involves the gradual appearance. They don't want to blow your mind out the window. So they're going to incrementally, just like you boil a frog to death in water by turning it up the water very slowly until it boils to death. So it's the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. So it's like putting a dictatorship into power via slow motion so nobody knows it. That's what's happening now, except what's happening now is going at a very fast speed. But when you've got a population that's dumbed down and out to lunch, they cannot see the obvious. They are being enslaved. Now, at the present moment, it is not too late to turn the tide of the battle. But you need to act spiritually, intelligently, and strategically. And it can be done. It's a winnable war. Okay, now, then he says, Brzezinski, such a society would be dominated by an elite. Notice the words he's using. He's not saying influenced by an elite, guided by an elite. He uses the hardcore term dominated by an elite. If you're, if, just play with the word. If you say that America is going to be dominated by the elite, what does that convey? Well, obviously, dominated conveys the idea of America is going to be a dictatorship. Dictatorship is synonymous with domination. I mean, I mean, you've got to be deaf, dumb, and blind to miss what he's saying out in the open. This book was talked about and read about by millions of people. They're not hiding it. So when you talk to some moron that goes, Hey, it's a conspiracy theory. Walk away from them. They are addicted to their stupidity. Brzezinski, one of the top men in the globalist elite, doesn't think this is a conspiracy theory. He is telling you right in your face, it's a reality. And then he writes, he goes on, such a society like America would be dominated by an elite, unrestrained by traditional values. That term is said over and over and over again by the elite, like the, the, the head guys in, in England, in London, uh, the intellectual elite, the Fabian socialists. They kept bragging how they were not going to be restrained or constrained by traditional values. That's what he's saying. What that means is we are going to enforce our will by brute force and domination, with no concern of whether our actions are moral or immoral. We completely reject. That's what he's saying. I'm translating for you precisely what he's saying. Make no mistake about his words. He's not pulling any punches. He says such a society would be dominated by an elite, unrestrained by traditional values. What does that mean? Unrestrained by traditional values means simply... What we're going to do is a monstrosity. We are going to totally reject any notion of right and wrong, kindness, compassion, love, all of those traditional values like kindness, compassion, love, caring. We're going to throw out the window. We're not. What he's saying is we're not going to be restrained by anything like decency and compassion and genuine love. Do you understand how evil this is? Pure evil. What I'm reading to you pure evil, um, unrestrained by traditional values. And then he says how? Soon it will be possible. It's already, and when he wrote this, the internet hadn't taken off. When he wrote this, you know, social media hadn't taken off. So he's saying soon it will be possible. Well, right now it's already, that's past tense. It's already possible. And this is what he says, to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen. So what he's saying is, The technology that's coming, he knew about it, the technology is coming is going to be so all-pervasive that we're going to conduct continuous, 24-7 surveillance over every citizen. Then he says, even the most personal information about the citizen. These files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. So basically it means we're going to have computers everywhere, like the giant computers in, in Utah. We're going to have computers everywhere. We're going to monitor everything you do. And you're going to live in what Aldous Huxley called an electronic dictatorship. Now, the question is, and I, I wrote about this, the question is, is this true? Yes, it's true. Yes, it's true. Yes, it's true. So let me read you something else. This, this wonderful, compassionate man, Brzezinski, said. Oh, it's, he wrote his book that, I, that I'm quoting from. It, he The book he wrote came out in 1970, so he knew about what's happening now a long time ago. So in 1970, Brzezinski wrote Between Two Ages, America's Role in the technocratic Era. Brzezinski predicted a more controlled and directed society based on the development of technology where an elite group will play a leading role, and which will take advantage of endless social crises to use the latest modern techniques for for surveillancing public behavior and keeping society under close surveillance and control. Then I write, Brzezinski called for the use of psychotronic weapons. Now, you need to wake up and pay attention. I'm not trying to talk down to anybody, but this has already happened. Now, I'm quoting Brzezinski, quote, Technology will make available to leaders of major nations a variety of techniques for conducting secret warfare, of which only a bare minimum of the security forces need to be informed of. In an article entitled "Psychotronic and Electromagnetic Weapons: Remote Control of Human Nervous System," by Mojmir Babasak, um, he wrote, he quoted in 1912, the Russian Defense Minister said, "The development of weaponry based on new physics principles—direct energy weapons, geophysical weapons, wave energy weapons, genetic weapons, psychotronic weapons—is part of the state arms procurement program." voice of Russia, and I could go further. So, ask yourself, what is the relationship between Vaxes, 5G, and this technology, and this understanding? You're talking about the goal of the—you've got to know what is the goal and the game plan of the globalist elite. Then, after you know what the game plan is, you need to, in a law-abiding and peaceful manner, ask yourself the, this question. Is this what God wants for me and my family and for my nation, like America? The answer is no. And if you try to justify it by some bizarre, upside-down theological interpretation of Scripture, then you are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of all the lives that your beliefs, your false beliefs, your false interpretation of the Bible, all the lives, like your children's lives, your grandchildren's lives, that were crushed, that were broken, that were stomped upon, that were shredded to pieces, by the rise of an unchecked monstrous dictatorship. Now, I don't believe theologically you can say without perverting the Bible that this is the will of God for his people. It's not. This is the consequence to his people should this happen. If their people, if his people remain apathetic, reject the word of God and go into denial which is sin, then these horrible things will happen. This is not what God wants to happen. Am I making myself clear? Now, I've written these books to equip you. So you either get the books or you can spend it on, you know, I don't know, something, something, New Garden hose or whatever. But I suggest that you get the books and educate people. And I'm talking about getting A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2. I'm talking about getting Power from on High. I'm talking about The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. I'm talking about Conquering the Matrix. I'm talking about The Day the Dollar Died. I'm talking about The Greatest Battle and numerous other books that I have at a super discount, we pay for the postage. And then, as your brother in Christ, I'm telling you, I am functioning biblically as a watchman on the wall. I am being faithful to the Lord God Almighty, and I am blowing the trumpet. You're being faithful to God Almighty because you're listening. You're taking it to heart. So I ask you to stand with me in this all-important mission and I ask you to pray for me and the ministry and those associated with the ministry. I need your spiritual warfare like you have no idea. I need you to spread the word and spread the message. I need you to sign up for the e-blast. I need you to sign up and like uh, the social media pages that we're on. Because, because if you're being opposed the way they oppose you, like the way they oppose Trump and others, they oppose them by rigging the numbers, rigging things, distorting the truth. The only way I can combat that is if you directly go to my social media, directly go to my uh, e-blast and sign up for it. I know I've been rigged for, for, you know, because I've been speaking the truth a long time. So I need your help. I need you to stand with me. And now I want to give you a challenge in love. I've devoted my life to this, not for my sake, for your sake and for our nation's sake. I've devoted my life to this. And I'm asking you to simply ask the Lord in prayer privately, you know, Lord, what can I do? What would you have me do? And then whatever the Lord tells you to do, I simply ask you to do it. Whatever amount he takes asks you to donate or contribute uh, financially, whatever he puts it on your heart to do, just simply obey him no matter what it is, because the time is running out. And I trust that you'll do that. I trust that you do that because you would not be listening to this program if you were not hungry for truth. One man cannot accomplish this, but one man in partnership with men and women who have a burden for souls, and men and women who who hunger and thirst after the Lord Jesus. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to hunger and thirst after the Lord Jesus. If we act together as one, we we hook up into that biblical principle, and we can change our nation before it's too late. At the very least, by the way, at the very least, if we can generate just a mere 1% of the population of America, it'd be better to have 4%. But if we can get 1% of the population of America to to step into the spiritual battle and, and stand for the Lord, we can change the direction of America, we can change the future, and it doesn't interfere with Bible prophecy. There is nothing that you and I can do that could possibly interfere with Bible prophecy, because God is sovereign. He's all-powerful. So you don't have to worry about that. So I'm asking you to join with me in prayer. I to. I want to tell you this. I would not, if I thought the situation was hopeless. I would not be doing what I'm doing. I know that. I know that. I know the situation is not hopeless, and that with all with God, all things are possible. Remember, July 4th is coming up. That's when the Lord spoke to me uh, about the importance of crying out to God and praying for a biblical revival in America. He, he, he showed that to me. If God's people repent and prayer, pray. July 4th, 2012. So I ask you on uh, July 4th coming up. Uh, very soon, I ask you to spend some minutes praying for me, this ministry, and pray for our nation. God answers our prayers, always. God always answers prayer. Now, I don't freak out about numbers or or temporal situations, because God's in control. And I know that, God, hears your prayers and my prayers. Together, I believe we can take the land. The least we can do is to take one percent. I know we can do that. No question about it. It's a winnable war, and it's a done deal. God bless you, your brother in Christ, Paul McGuire. Be sure to visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Never give in to defeat, despair, and hopelessness. Resist it like poison, because it is. And trust the Lord Jesus Christ, that the same God that resurrected Jesus from the dead is the same God who answers our prayers. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us.